If you'll grab your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We'll be at the end of Luke chapter 10 and Luke 11. And I'm going to read a very familiar passage to us from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, The Message. You know, uh, it used to frustrate me to no end why we'd have different uh, versions or translations of the Bible or why we'd even have paraphrases of, of Scripture. Uh, I won't go into all those reasons now, but uh, they can be a blessing to you. I used to think, well, can't we get it right? Can't we just figure out exactly what it's supposed to say and just get something right? Well, God's Word hasn't changed. God's Word is the same, but something happens with our language. Our words change. Our language change. Our definitions and understanding of words change. And so what is happening is we want to stay true to what God's Word means. A paraphrase, if we're going to do a a word study and hang weight on one specific word or one specific phrase, we want to be careful not to use a paraphrase. They are intended to give us an overarching summary of something that's very familiar to us. Have you ever heard the same word over and over and over again and it begins to sound kind of strange and weird? I don't know if you've ever had that happen. Maybe I'm the only weird one. If I hear the same word over and over, I say that same word over and over, it begins to sound funny. Raisin is one of those words for me. You say raisin 150 times, and it's kind of weird. Raisin, 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 raisin. I just begin to hear it differently. Sometimes we, we can benefit from a paraphrase as we hear the truth summarized with some different words. It's not as strong as a translation for us. We're going to hang weight on a word or a specific phrase, but it can shed light to us on something that's become so familiar. Listen to this paraphrase of Luke 10, 38 through 11, 4. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word that he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha. You're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential. And Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. One day, he was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Master, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he said, when you pray, say, Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. This paraphrase of this passage, no doubt you've read before, you've, you've heard before, can help us see a truth that God wants to come alive in our heart again tonight. Now, unfortunately, a lot of times in in our modern translations, we have a a paragraph break and even a section break, and they, they put a new pericope heading, possibly. You know, those headings in bold in your Bible there, that's not necessarily Scripture. In fact, it's not Scripture. It's just uh, to help us categorize how we think. But 
in an attempt to kind of section out these stories, I think we can miss what it is the gospel writer wants us to catch, that these go hand in hand together. It's not an accident that this was shared about Mary and Martha, and then we move into the Lord's Prayer. I believe that Luke wanted us to see how these fit together. God's message to us tonight is the same message that he brought Martha that day. You are worried and upset over many things, but only one thing is essential. And that one thing is time with me. It's prayer. It's worshiping at the feet of Jesus. I want you to observe with me over the next few minutes four issues Jesus addresses about prayer and spending time with him. In fact, I want us to think about us raising the bar, raising the the signal reception in our life and our communication with God. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, cell phone coverage is something that can be a blessing and it can be a curse. Uh, The other day I had the internet go out at the office and it was amazing to me how many things I'm dependent on with the internet. But when my cell phone was out of range this week, it was worse I lost all contact. You know, when we begin to look at how God wants to talk to us every single moment of every day, there is a signal loss issue that we need to deal with. I'm asking God to stir in our hearts again for us to raise the bar, to raise the signal strength in our communication with Him. God has given us a communication network, a wonderful communication network. It's called prayer. Now, I warned you, I'm not telling you something brand new that you haven't known. Some of you are going, oh my goodness. This is like elementary 101. I, I, I can't believe I'm here tonight. This should have been the night I, t- I take a week off. Well, God is thrilled that you didn't. He wants to stir in our heart again the fundamental of prayer and the communication network that he has created. This is not some kind of side dish. This is the main course of what he's intended for us as believers to participate in with him. Many people believe in prayer. In fact, an overwhelming majority of Americans say that they pray from time to time. It's amazing to me how popular prayer is and how out of fashion God is. I heard a friend tell me that uh, he was talking with an atheist who enjoys praying. I don't quite understand how that works. I don't really know who you pray to if you're an atheist. I don't really know what we mean when we say we enjoy prayer but we're not so sure about God. Even though prayer is broadly accepted in our culture, there's many misconceptions about prayer. I'd love to think that those misconceptions stop at the doors of the church, but we live in a world that saturates us and bombards us with their messages, and it can creep into our understanding, our life in prayer. For many, prayer is this cosmic Santa Claus that we take a wish list to, and and we hope that he will give us the things that are on our list. For others, I think it's this idea of what I saw in the grocery store the other day of a little boy asking his mom for a candy bar in the checkout lane of of Kroger. Mom promptly responded, no, but the boy didn't give up. He was just getting started. Mom, can I have it? Mom, can I have it? Mom, can I have it? And the entire wait in line, he persisted until she gave in and said, okay, fine, take the candy bar, but just be quiet. If we view prayer as a way that we try to twist God's arm or we're lobbying for him to give us what we want and we're building a case before him, we miss the whole idea of the gift that God has given to us in prayer. 
Prayer isn't like that at all. Jot this down. Prayer is not telling God what I want. Prayer is more about God telling me what He wants. It's not about me just telling God what I want, but it's more about Him telling me what He wants. And He begins to train the things in me and and carve in me a desire to want what He wants. So even in my supplication, in my requests, and and when I'm praying, I am praying to Him what it is I know that He wants and wills to happen around me. Now that's not a riddle. I hope you caught that. When I begin to pray for the things that God desires to have happen, I begin to want to see His will take place. This is me doing what God wants. I am listening while I'm speaking. We can listen to God even when our Words are coming out of our mouth when I begin to pray what it is that he wants. Remember, it's, it's not about us. It's about him. The better we get at listening to God, the more effective our prayers will be and the more productive our lives will be. Let me ask you this tonight. Do you really want to get to know God better? Or have you gotten to know all of God that you really want? Have you got your card stamped, the get out of hell free card, and and the being filled with his spirit punched on the card, and so I'm good. I don't really need any more knowledge of God. Friend, God has designed us to have a craving to want to know more of him. Mrs. Taylor's in heaven now, but she was a mentor for me for many years, and and she was a wise woman, and and she didn't go to heaven until she was in her 90s, and, and in the later years of her life, she read a book a day. And I used to love to sit in her living room and, and there was all kinds of trinkets and things and I could spend the whole day just asking her what the story was behind everything. And, and, and I remember one day I, I curved my, my uh, attention deficit to not have to ask about those things and, and I asked her, Mrs. Taylor, what is Jesus teaching you? You would think that I just, you know, gave her a million dollars. She lit up and she began to tell me, he is teaching me the more I see him, the more I know that I need more of him. The more I understand of God, the more I understand that I don't know enough about God. There was a hunger and an appetite in her eyes and in her words as she began to share. How much do you really want to know God more? I want you to think with me. If we're going to learn to discern His voice, we have to be able to sift out the interference that's all around us. We've got to learn how to tune in to his frequency, and we've got to allow his desire to be placed into our heart. Now, tonight, I can give us handles of how to grow in our prayer life, but I cannot do anything to make you want to pray more, to make you want to get to know him more. There's absolutely nothing that I can do to increase your desire to pray. That's kind of discouraging as I thought about that today. It's the Holy Spirit alone who can give us the hunger to want to pray. For somebody, this is a truth worth coming to church for tonight. If you struggle with the want to to pray, I I want to pray, but I struggle because I don't want to. I I want to want to, but when it comes down to it, I'd rather do something else. Or let's just pray as quick as we can so we can get on to something else that I want to do. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can give you the desire to have that communication with Him. And so ask God, God, you want me to pray continually. You want me to have this communication with you. Would you allow your Spirit to create in me a hunger to cry out to you? 
This becomes God's problem, not your problem. When we get this right, and when with all sincerity and honesty that we are asking God, God, help me be a man of prayer. Help me be a woman of prayer. Would you give me that kind of heart? Be careful, because he's going to do that. There's some things that will block that prayer in our life, and we'll talk about those in a minute. But how much do we really want to have intimacy with him? How much do we want to see him? I want to invite you to to raise the signal strength, raise the bar in prayer with me. This is critical not just for each of us as individuals, but it is essential for us as a body of believers. I'm confident that God has opened up unprecedented opportunities for us in our community to reach people and to minister. But all of it will be dependent on our ability and desire to press into Him in prayer. The more we increase our deeper prayer life with God, the more he can trust us with the fruit for his kingdom. I want to say that again. The more that we press in for a deeper prayer life with him, the more that he can trust us with the fruit for his kingdom. He longs for us to be in that constant communication with him, not only as individuals, but as a community. And he can entrust us with more and more fruit that he has for his kingdom. Well, what does it mean for us to raise the bar in prayer? Jot this down. Raising the bar in prayer means moving from prayer as a religious ritual to prayer as a way of life. God desires for us to get to the place where we learn, as Brother Lawrence puts it, to practice the presence of God. Every single waking moment. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he challenges us to pray continually in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I think you can memorize that verse with me tonight. You're going to memorize 1 Thessalonians 5.17, all right? Together, let's say it out loud together. Pray continually. One more time. Pray continually. You got it. It's memorized. You've locked it away. The challenge is, how do I do that? I mean, if I'm going to pray continually... I'm not quite sure how I can get to work. If I'm going to pray continually, I don't know how I'm going to be able to drive from one place to another. I mean, if I've got to have my hands folded, my eyes closed. As I told you, church, this is not something brand new that we've just discovered. This is something that God wants to fan the flame in our heart again. We know that prayer is more than just a specific moment where we start into a service. It's more than just how we get to the food. It's more than just what we say when we feel like we're in a desperate situation, financially or physically. It's this constant communication where I'm constantly crying out to God in my thought, in my word, in my actions, communicating with Him. I want us to consider some of the pitfalls that come against us to stop the raising of the bar of prayer in our life here's the first thing that can weaken that signal that would not allow us to grow deeper and the first is willful sin it's a conscious disobedience it's when god's will is right here and i say i want to put my will above god's will james 4 17 says anyone who knows the good that he or she ought to do and doesn't do it sins 
This is that conscious decision to go my own way instead of God's way. This is not new to us. We've heard this. We understand this. But we wonder why prayer is is boring. We wonder why prayer is, is not really active in our life. Something that will kill the signal strength. You will be completely in a barren place in your prayer life when there is willful disobedience. It's the greatest killer of that communication between you and God. Nothing will cause us to lose communication faster than harboring willful disobedience in our heart. God loves you, but he hates sin. And when you continue to live in sin, you are removing yourself from every good thing that God wants to bring in your life. The Bible puts it this way. There is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. This is one of those scriptures that I think sometimes we're tempted to come up with some kind of alternative reasoning why this doesn't apply to us. Church, God wants to bless you and our community through prayer, but willful disobedience will block it. Whenever I start to sense a spiritual signal and prayer uh, fading in my life, the first place I want to check, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Is there any delayed obedience where I'm putting off what I know God has told me to do? And when I'm honest in admitting my sinful pride, I'll turn from it. When I'm honest in admitting that there's an area where I'm dragging my feet in obedience, I can can confess that and and God opens up that channel of, of communication again. Until we deal with this, we will not be open to great signal strength. For many of us, one of the great pitfalls of raising the bar in prayer is busyness. Martha was so anxious and preoccupied with tasks at hand, Jesus had to call her name twice. He had to get her attention and say, Martha, Martha. Her busyness for Christ, as you've heard it preached before, it kept her from being with Christ. It doesn't matter how familiar this truth or this passage is to us, it doesn't make it any less real in our life. I fear that this Martha syndrome is is far more common than we want to admit. It's become an epidemic in the church. I can usually tell people who are struggling with this Martha epidemic when when they're asked with the question, what is Jesus saying to you? What is he teaching you? What are you learning from him? And they begin to list things that they are doing for God. And don't misunderstand me. There's a place for us to have action. There's a place for us to serve and to do. But it's not to be at the expense of sitting at Jesus' feet and communicating and worshiping and hearing from him. There's nothing above the new revelation that God wants to pour out in our life. The psalmist talks about this net result of what happens when we live this way. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. No, don't, don't get me wrong. We, we are to be busy about his work, about the master's business. But our activity must be fueled by passion for intimacy with God. Or else ministry becomes burdensome and hard. Don't miss that. There's a place to be at work and to be busy for Him, but it's got to be fueled by intimacy with God. Why is prayer so important? Why is intimacy with God so important? Without it, your life of obedience becomes a drudgery. 
Another way to look at this is, if you find yourself dry and crusty and frustrated or, or stuck, like we've talked about in Sunday mornings, we need to check and see, am I communicating with God in prayer? Is there intimacy between the Father and I anymore? Or is it a cold, distant approach where I'm no longer sitting at His feet? It's my opinion that people who burn out, this happens not because they're doing too much. People who burn out, it happens because they're not doing what God has called them to do. We don't burn out because we put too much on our plate. We burn out because we put things on our plate that God has never called us to put on our plate. The only way we will know what God is calling us to do in life and what we should invest our time and our talent and our treasure in is if we sit at his feet like Mary did. Jesus is the main course. He is the one thing that we are to give our heart to. The primacy of raising the bar in prayer in my life should be as this. Jesus says to Martha, one thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. She is sitting at my feet, and while Martha has been busy preparing dinner, she missed what was right before her. Now, I know that some of us are type A personalities, and there are people trying to rationalize away this teaching for the sake of their personality, and they see Mary as more of a type B personality, and a type A personality who wants to get things done, and they can begin to make some faulty assumptions that God really wants to change our personality from a type A to a type B, and, and to stop being a Martha personality, and start being a Mary personality. And this couldn't be farther from the truth. Jesus' teaching here is not to have anything to do with our personality. He gave us that personality. It has to do with the priority for Him. God is not asking you to put on a new personality. He's asking you to make Jesus and time with Him a priority. Communicating with Him, intimacy with Him, a priority in our life. Write this down. Prayer doesn't change my personality. Prayer changes my priorities. This is so freeing. Sometimes when you find that mentor spiritually, as we talked about this morning, where you find someone who is obedient and following Christ and you model yourself after them and how they're being obedient, you can begin to look at how they pray and, and how they cry out to God. And, and it can have some disconnect because their personality is different than yours. The freedom is you don't have to pray like anybody else. You don't have to have their personality. You don't have to have their demeanor. You need to have the priority that God has demanded. And that's to be first. He doesn't want to change your personality. He wants to change the priority. Do we realize that God has created us to enjoy prayer? I think we can miss that. Sometimes we think, well, God has created me to log some prayer hours. I'm going to do battle in prayer. I'm going to go do prayer like running on the treadmill. I don't like it, but I guess it's good for me. It keeps me in shape. You can enjoy prayer. I don't know about you, but I have to allow my personality to engage with the priority of prayer. For me to sit still and pray can be a challenging thing, and there's times to do that. We need to be still and know that He is God. We need to be quiet before Him. But some of you need to have freedom. Stand up and walk around the room when you pray. If I'm talking to any of you on the phone, on my cell phone or the office phone, you just need to know something. I'm not sitting down. 
I can't sit down in my office and talk on the phone. The more my mouth moves, the more my feet move. Just ask the camera operators up there on Sunday morning. I can't stand in one place. I don't know what's wrong with me. That's how God wired me. So when I pray, why would it be any different? Some of us need to understand that we can enjoy prayer and getting our body into talking to God can be a tremendous blessing. Some of you have a personality very different than mine. And the last thing you need to do is try to walk around when you pray. God didn't wire you that way. See, prayer, it's not the appetizer. It's not the side dish. Prayer is the main course. It's not the dessert. It's not the icing on the cake. It is the core. It is the main event. When I am worshiping Jesus at his feet, when I am praying and crying out to God, he is filling me up. And all the other things that happen in obedience is fueled by that time in prayer. I love the words from Ian Bounds. He says, there is much you can do when you pray. Much you can do when you pray. But there is nothing you can do until you pray. This is not a case to be slothful and lazy and to just be of, of, of a heavenly mind with no earthly good. No, I can't be any earthly good until my mind is focused heavenward. When I pray, I can then begin to be about the work that he's calling me to. Jesus challenges us to make prayer our first priority. We, this happens when we see the permanency of raising the bar of prayer in my life. Notice that there's benefit to Mary's time invested with Jesus. It won't be taken from her, Jesus says. So much of what we spend our time on and our money on, our energy on, it's, it's temporary, it's temporal. But prayer is not time spent, it's time invested. When I begin to look at prayer, it's not me just logging hours. It's investing in my relationship with Jesus. It's investing in the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I want to give my life, my time, my resources, something that will increase in value, not diminish. That's the perspective that the Apostle Paul has when he gives us his words in Philippians 3, 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. At the end of life, I don't know that I've heard anybody say, I really wish I would have spent more time at the office. When people come to the end of life on this earth, I don't know that I've heard anybody say, you know what, if I just would have earned a little bit more money, if I just could have purchased that dream whatever. But I've heard a number of people talk about Regrets that they did not spend enough time with their family. They did not spend enough of their, their, what they would call working years investing in God's kingdom. God is calling us to invest our time, our, our talent, our treasure in a relationship with Him. How can I invest my talent in prayer? God has given you gifts. It's not just to use on a platform. You cry out to God with the gifts He's given you. Some of you, prayer is going to take form in writing. You write your prayers to God. Some of you, you can begin to, in a prayerful attitude, use your artistic skills to communicate your heart to God. Allow Him to unleash the gifts He's given to you in communicating with Him in prayer. Invest that in the kingdom. There's also a, a pattern for raising the bar in prayer in my life. And that's the second part of this passage. Notice that Jesus didn't just talk about prayer. He lived it out. His life modeled this for his disciples. 
He went from one place to another. He went from one place to another, and it was sandwiched by prayer. He would pray, he would minister. He would pray, he would minister. One of my favorite places I got to visit when I went to Israel was this cave right there by the water, and it didn't matter who the the scholar was, whether they were a Christian or they were a Jew or whether they were uh, someone who, who was an atheist, they all agreed that Jesus was at this cave. And this was the place that Scripture talks about as the lonely place, whether they believed in his deity or not. And, and I loved that because so many of the things there in Israel, they, they were important places and they'd build a church on it. And that's fine, but this they hadn't. It was just a cave. And I walked into this cave and it was, it was no bigger than, than, than this area of the platform. And and I began to put my hands on every place in the cave. I'm thinking, this is cool. Jesus was in here. Everybody's agreeing Jesus was here. And I'm going to touch. He had to touch something. He sat somewhere. So I'm kind of scooting around trying to sit where he sat and, and look out over the water. And this is a pretty cool thing. But it was referred to as scripture as the lonely place where he would get away and pray. Even Jesus would spend sacrificial time, crying out to the Father, being filled up. And here in this lonely place where the Son of Man didn't even have a place to lay his head, 200 yards around the corner is where we believe the Sermon on the Mount was preached. The greatest sermon ever preached was right around the corner from the lonely place. Jesus' ministry was sandwiched from prayer to prayer to prayer. And in between was all of these great moments of ministry. And the disciples saw this. And it was out of this pattern that they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They weren't saying, should we fold our hands, you know, one, two eyes closed? Do we have to bow? What is the exact second quota of of a good prayer? Uh, Should there be a rhyme? Should there be a rhythm? Should this be in haiku? How should this take place? They were saying, we have watched you press in to communion with the Father, and then you would minister, and then you would be filled up from the Father. Teach us to pray like that. Let's go back to Luke's words. We see this here in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Here's what Jesus said. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day your daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. Write this down. Prayer is not repeating a mantra or a phrase. Prayer is living Christ's life. This Lord's Prayer, Disciples' Prayer, is not some kind of formula, but it's more about a pattern of how to live. Prayer is not a magic formula that we quote. It's not a manual to punch keys into a vending machine to get to pop out what we want. No, Jesus is providing a pattern of how we can live a life praying continually. Dr. Jesse Mittendorf is one of our general superintendents, and he led his congregation through a study of this Lord's prayer while he was still serving as pastor of Kansas City First Church of the Nazarene. In his summary of this experience as their church studied the Lord's Prayer, here's what he was quoted with saying, it being prayer, the Lord's Prayer, became less a pattern for praying and more a paradigm for living. That spoke to me. 
how we pray is not so much a pattern that we we memorize and get this perfect quotient down. It's more of a pattern of how we live our life. Am I living a life that is crying out to my Father, being dependent on Him, ushering His will in? That's my prayer for us. It's my desire that we would mobilize and allow Jesus to stir our heart for communion with Him. As we close tonight, you should have another sheet there. It's not two sermons. So those of you who thought we were getting ready for sermon number two on the white sheet, just exhale. It's okay. We're about, we're about through. In addition to the pattern that Jesus has given us to live our life in, in this Lord's Prayer, this is a similar pattern of rhythm of life and direction that can help us when we cry out to God. This has been in my heart the last couple of months, and it may be a blessing to you. What would it look like if we would allow sin to be removed and allow busyness to be removed and allow excuses to be removed and allow us to go deeper with Christ in prayer? I would encourage you right now to prayerfully keep your eyes open unless you figure out how to read and close them. I don't know how to do that. But prayerfully look at this with me. Thanking God. Recognize the Spirit's indwelling presence in you simply by thanking him for it we can have intimacy with god when when we begin to thank him for his presence in our life acknowledging he hasn't forgotten who he is he doesn't need a reminder of where he is at but we need a reminder of who he is this is part of that listening god you are here i'm going to thank you for your presence praying and asking God to release the revelation that he wants to give us. Ephesians 1.17 <laughs> may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. God wants to give us this revelation and knowledge of who he is. Ask God to, to release that and the Holy Spirit to release that in your life. Asking God to use us. Let the manifestation of the spirit be given to each one of us to profit for all. Allow him to let the spiritual gifts he's entrusted to us to bring glory to him. Use us, Father. Strengthen me. Ask the Spirit to strengthen your mind, your emotions, your speech right in that moment. Ask God to teach you, to teach you about his word, his will, his ways, that he would make tangible, manifest is to make tangible his leadership in every issue and area of our life spirit let me see what you see feel what you feel release your power through me as i share don't get caught on any particular pattern this may bless you it may not help you but don't miss the chapters of intimacy that god has for you as we pray tonight I believe there's a time when we come to an altar in confession and prayer. I believe there's other times when God speaks to us when we go and obey. If the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, probably the, the best response we can have is to start praying without ceasing. And so your obedience tonight could be to stop listening to me at this moment when I pray and start 
praying yourself. Let's start, stop talking about it and let's start praying together. Father God, we praise you for who you are. Hallowed be your name. You are our Father. You are the great I Am. We thank you for aligning our hearts with yours tonight. And we recognize not only who you are, but who we are in light of your sovereignty. We ask that you would continue to feed us with the nourishment from your word. I pray that we will learn from the experience that has been recorded for us in the Gospels of Martha and Mary. I thank you, Jesus, that you loved Martha enough to call her out and say, just stop for a minute. Lord, I pray that you would woo us into your space for intimacy with you. Lord, I ask right now that you would begin to give us the desire to pray, the desire to have intimacy with you. Nothing can drive us to intimacy with you. We can learn tools, we can begin to spur one another on, but the appetite comes only from your spirit, Father. Would you birth in us that hunger to be around you, to listen to you? Thank you for what it is you want to do in our lives as individuals and what you want to do in our church. We pray these things, Jesus, in your powerful name. We say, so be it. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you this week to explore opportunities to not only press into prayer in your private life, But we have a host of opportunities where you can partner with a brother or sister here at Grace Point in prayer. Whether you attend South Campus or North Campus, whether you are joining us from another home church, talk to your leadership team at your church. Find a group of believers that you could partner in prayer with. It's not that you have to do it with somebody else. You get to cry out to your daddy with your brothers and sisters. May God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a good night.